0: Hey, we're back with a little post-Thanksgiving episode. James and I catch up about what we've been up to, chat a little bit about AI, some talk about the performance of industrial design, and 3D printing. I think you all enjoy it. As always, you can email us at mydetailspodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question or a topic idea or a thought you'd like to send in, we'd love to hear from you. And yeah, we have a bunch of links on our website to Discord, YouTube, Spotify, Whatever your method of listening is, go and subscribe. Give us five stars. Uh, do all the all the good things. It really helps us out. And yeah, let's hear the amazing intro by Kyoshi the Kid. James, and we're two
1: designers in the big city, sweating the small stuff.
0: (sighs) You had the, uh, the little, um, we got the, we got the spin ball opener out tonight. Oh yeah. We're spinning. Also, yeah, shameless self-promo. If you guys want a little Christmas gift, plenty of spin ball, ball openers, almost object.com. We're trying to get some, uh, we're trying to get some more details merch up in here, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're working on it You know, we like we want to do something nice, you know, so done a few like iterations and samples, but nothing nothing to show yet But uh,
1: James, how you been? I've been pretty good. Took a little break there. Yeah, Thanksgiving, I guess. Yeah happened. Well, they were you know, I was working Working pretty hard over at work. Yeah, and uh, after the hard work was kind of over my manager was like, "Hey, uh, when's the last time you took a vacation?" I was like, "You don't have to ask me twice." <laughs> and he was like, "You're fired." <laughs> no, I, I, I'm kidding. But uh, you're not fired. I I went to went down to Florida with the fam. Uh, my wife's originally from Florida, uh, and so we actually took Clara to Disney World for the first time. Oh, so it was like. It's the first time I've been there in a while. I guess maybe I visited there one other time when we were visiting Flora before we had Clara. But, um, you know, she's two and a half. So, like, she knows all the characters, but I don't, like, you know, she had a great time. I don't know how much of it she, like, absorbed as, like, oh, this is, like, this, like special once in a few years kind of experience or, you know, whatever. Like I feel like Disney world has this kind of place in a lot of like people's minds as, as like, you know, the magical place, the magical place that like you, you only visit like maybe once in your life, like Mm -hmm. as a young kid, um, like I don't, so you might take her again, I guess. Oh yeah. I mean the fact that my wife is, from florida we often travel through orlando like we just did a a day at disney world okay so like a small trip it was a small trip but she is like total adrenaline junkie yeah okay amazing nice she uh she just like there were a couple like small roller coasters there and she's kind of a tall two and a half year old. Okay. I mean, go figure. Right. You're tall. Also uh, yeah. But, uh, so she could, she was tall enough to ride the rides and, um, yeah, took her on some roller coasters and she just like absolutely loved it. Did not like any of the like slow rides that go through. Like there's like, it's a small world and there's mm-hmm. a Winnie the Pooh one. There's a little mermaid one. There's a Peter Pan one. Like, uh, we went through those and she just like buried her face in Allison's like, you know, in her lap just did not like that. But the roller coasters, I was just like, she could not get enough of. And like the magic teacup, like the yeah, teacups, she, she was laughing like maniacally. <laughs> um, spinning it really fast. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I went when I was,
0: I want to say I was like maybe seven. Yeah. Uh, and I really liked I think Thunder Mountain at the mm, one with the, the train, mm-hmm. and then I also my sister and I, my sister was five, and we went to do the Tower of Terror. Did you do the Tower of Terror? I think they might have changed the name now.
1: I did the Tower of Terror like a long time ago,
0: you know, and my dad you know was like, oh, it'll be fun, come on, it'll be fun, you know, and i'm I'm you know, I was like a little more hesitant. Holly and Holly, my sister, my family is, is the kind of more adrenaline. Uh, my dad and my sister are kind of the adrenaline junkies. My mom and I are more reserved. Mm. And so I was like hesitant of it, of going on this uh, tower of terror. And cause I'm not, I'm like, I don't want to do a scary thing. Yeah. And um, my dad's like, Oh, just an elevator. It goes up and it goes down and you get it right off. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We, we, Oh, we were crying at the end. Oh I, We were no. screaming and crying. We wanted it off. How old?
1: <laughs> I was seven. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah it was I not mean... for me my but i do like roller coasters. I when i was younger i hated roller coasters. Like my dad tricked me on a roller coaster at like Hershey Park, similar to what it sounds like your dad did with the Tower of Terror. <laughs> yeah. And like there's nothing worse. If you don't like roller coasters, there's nothing worse than like The anticipation, the like click,
0: click, 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 And
1: and it just like, you just, it just keeps going and going. And you're like, what? I thought it was going to stop like 25 clicks ago. And uh, yeah, there's like a picture of me probably around the same age that you're talking about on this roller coaster in Hershey Park called the Wildcat. I don't know if it's still there, but like old wooden roller coaster. And I have like, my dad's like leaning forward, like, smiling like a maniac. And I am eyes closed and my hair is sticking straight up. I'm just like, oh God, get, get me through this. But yeah, it's cool. I mean, also just like, you know, it's the first time that I've visited Disney world as like a designer Mm. after having you know, gone through design education and just like also being a working professional and understanding how much goes behind the creative process and just sort of being like just sort of marveling at what I'm witnessing and seeing in terms of like the different parts of the park, the different rides, like how they've, how they've designed those experiences.
0: I mean they're they're amazing at, yeah, doing that. I think what the, they're called Imagineers, right? Is oh, that, yeah, is that the they don't have designers, they have Imagineers, right yeah, yeah, I think that's what they call. It.
1: Yeah, so like, I mean that's it's just really interesting. I you know, it veers into a part of design that I'm like probably not as comfortable with, which right. is sort of like spaces, experiences, yeah, and yeah. and also just the like the content of what they're working with and how that manifests itself into more of like a, almost more of like a naturalistic kind of thing, rather than something that's like dictated by an industrial process mm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool. Um, yeah. So that was, that was fun. You
0: was just fun. went to magic kingdom.
1: Yeah. Magic kingdom.
0: Cause they have the star Wars. Don't they have star Wars now? Or
1: something? Yeah. We went to the star Wars world in, um, in out in LA Disneyland, um, which is crazy. They have like the full size millennium Falcon (laughs) and we went on, we went on like the millennium Falcon ride. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool. It was, and it's cool to just like be there, but I feel like the, what I'm trying to get out, especially with like two year olds is like, they kind of have fun anywhere. (laughs) <laughs> like I think she did have a ton of fun, like seeing the could characters. Have gone, could have gone to putt putt. Yeah, know. like we we like you know we did the character breakfast, and oh, she yeah. was That's like cool. really into that. She met a few characters at the park, like she loved all that. But like she's also like equally happy at the playground, yeah. sort of thing. But I don't know. There's definitely like I I think. You sort of saw a spark in her eye while we were there, of like, oh, this is this is different from right. what I'm usually right. experiencing. Right. So yeah, I don't, it was cool. It'll be cool to like go back in a couple of years, um, just to see like you know how how she views it then. I I don't know. Like, do you know anybody? I was thinking about like people that make Disney kind of like their identity. Oh no! Do you know? Do you James. know people who make who've made Disney? No, we can't bring up Disney adults <laughs> on the podcast. I'm not
0: trying to oh, slam man. anybody. Uh, I do know Disney adults. Yeah. Yeah. From back home, you know. Okay. I, there's there was a few people you know in in high school that would go every year. Yeah. That had gone every year since they were kids, and that still go nowadays. I'm sure. Um, you know. Everyone has a thing. Everyone has a thing. I mean, I mean fun, I'm of, sure it's a fun thing. Of
1: all the things, yeah. like Disney adult or meth head, like, <laughs> yeah, I
0: think. Disney adult's better than drug addict. Yeah. yeah for sure.
1: <laughs> but it's, it is like, I, I don't, I don't have any feeling, I don't have any feeling about that necessarily. I remember, I like, I, I met this, I met this guy who was like, kind of, like, poo-pooing people who were Disney adults. Disney adults. Okay. Meanwhile, he had like a Superman shirt on. <laughs> I was like, I don't think you have any room to talk. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: Everyone has their like hobbies or interests. I think it's it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I haven't been to Disney World since I was seven, and I don't think I've been to a amusement park since I was in high school.
1: Really? Did you? Did your high so, school take you to like? Did you go on field trips to we amusement had, parks? We had
0: Carowinds. That was our uh, okay. place in North Carolina. North, and
1: yeah.
0: Uh, we, yeah, I think we did a few school trips, maybe a middle school to Carowinds. Mm. Uh, Six Flags, I remember we went to that in Atlanta. Um, actually, the when I was working in Texas, I was working right next to Six Flags yeah. in Texas, but never went. Huh. So the last time I went was in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a whole... I mean, it'd be fun to have a, Did, a designer who works on. weren't you like a on... roller
1: coaster tycoon oh, kid? Sh- yes,
0: <laughs> I love roller coaster tycoon, man. That's the best game. Ever. Yeah. Oh.
1: So, like, but there's, but that part of you never, like, at the same time, you were never like seeking out amusement parks. As... No,
0: I think I liked I liked the the building of roller coaster tycoon, like yeah. building, you know, roller coasters and like kind of the the monopoly aspect of it. Um, and, yeah, I don't know, it's, like, I, I, I definitely do remember, like, thinking it would be cool to design roller coasters in real in in the real world. Was
1: that your first foray into design, Roller Coaster Tycoon? Well, I guess, my no, no, really your call grandfather was an architect. Yeah, right? but I,
0: I wouldn't really call a Roller Coaster Tycoon, like, design. I mean, it's just, like, it, it scratches that itch in my head, you know? Yeah. And I feel like I only understood what that itch was when I went to college. It's like, oh, a, this is what it
1: is. I mean, it is design.
0: Like it's just—it is designed, but no one of, told
1: me about it. You know, instead of like, you know, working with like sizes of two by four and different like screws, you're dealing with like a, a different scale of component that you're putting together to like create yeah a certain uh, experience.
0: Uh, if you design roller coasters, shoot us some email. We want to hear about we want to hear about your experience.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. And I I. Like to that point, and, and talking about Imagineers, the other thing that's really interesting about Disney World is how much they design the lines because mm. the lines can get so long that like they they're like they design these like interactive lines. They're like part of the story. Now. Yeah, so yeah. that it's ne- so that as you're waiting, you're not like you know totally miserable. Yeah. Um, that's cool. The Winnie the Pooh one was actually like very. Interactive. They had some like touch screen stuff, like wiping away honey to like <laughs> reveal pictures. Interesting. And, yeah. Are the touch
0: screen sticky or no? <laughs> Sticky from kids' oh, fingers, maybe. Be,
1: I was reaching up higher, so the a bit cleaner up there. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Clara took a lick. I don't know. Oh no. <laughs> good
0: for the immune system. Yeah,
1: exactly. But anyway, long, long tangent. But um, yeah, that was my last two weeks. That's good. Yeah. I just and, eat-
0: just been in the studio. Yeah. Uh, nothing exciting for me. <laughs> I'm, working on my little, left. I'm working on my
1: little strap box
0: thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just show it on camera right quick. It's just a plywood box with a strap around it. You're back to the strap. What's brought you back to the strap? Well, the strap box or strap stool, or I don't really know what to call it yet. Um, I've had for a while, actually. I've had mm. it for a year and a half or something. I've had the idea and I had the prototype sitting around the studio for that long and I just always used it as like a step stool or like as an extra chair or I was using it as like a plant stand recently and I'm like I use this thing all the time. Like I should I should figure out how to manufacture it. Um so I picked up the project again and uh been refining it. There's a few like little details I want to fix and change it from solid wood to plywood so it's stronger and I don't know mm-hmm. all kinds of little things, but um I think my goal is my goal was to make the strap chair into a more commercially viable product because mm. the strap chair with like pine trees just stuck around the the block of wood is like a fun exercise, a fun art project, but it's not really something you can mass produce, right? Um, so that's kind of where I'm going with this like strap box system. I mean, yeah. the, whole, the whole idea is like it's modular, so you could get if you buy if you have two of them, you could strap it together as a. Um, Shelf or you could like do a three shelf. I think, you know, I could even expand to like doing a table version where you have a bigger piece out on top. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also thinking about doing like a chair kind of inspired by this and maybe like the straps are part of the, the cushion or something. So it's like flexible and comfortable. Um, but yeah, no, that's was like
1: my recent project that I've been dabbling around with. Yeah.
0: But you know how it goes, James. So many, so many ideas, not enough time. <laughs>
1: The only thing that I was thinking about with this is like using if you're using it as a something to hold things the strap on the inside the strap on the inside. Like how do you feel about the fact that it's sort of like invading that space? I mean, I think it's a it's a cool visual. Mm -hmm. Especially like, yeah, seeing that hint. Yeah. Of it.
0: Yeah. You know, you know, this is my this is my. This is my style, you know, make things almost functional.
1: (laughs) No, but I, I mean, I think like, no, I I do agree. There's, there's, I don't know that it's it's a a trade off. I don't think, yeah, exactly. It's a trade off. I mean that this being the only like thing that's keeping this all together, um, the strap, I think I just like, I mean, it's so understandable and so intriguing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if like, yeah, I don't know if you would want to. Like, I like the sort of like interlacing of it.
0: Yeah, structurally, I think you'd it. It helps a lot to have it kind of weave inside of the the box. Um, yeah. If I'm it s- just goes around the outside, it's a little bit less structural, I think. But
1: yeah, uh, I'm gonna sit on this bad boy. Yeah, give it a shot, man.
0: It's solid. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Listen, we <laughs> we all know how the strap chair went, and uh, this thing is this thing you throw out throw out a ten story building. Nice.
1: Yep, feels good, feels secure. Approved. I would put put my daughter on this. Safe.
0: Um, oh, we got we got a um, AI news segment. (laughs) I don't even.
1: AI
0: (laughs) news. Okay, yeah, that's a good. I was like, "What should our soundbite be for AI news?" (laughs) AI. (laughs) I. We should ask the AI. AI, what it should be. Yeah, maybe we should just pull up because I think there is a AI that does make music now. I saw Mm. recently. I. I wish I would had remembered what the site was. I saw it and I was like, "Oh, I should check this out," and then got distracted. But the one thing I was looking at recently was um Chat GPT, which is OpenAI's kind of newest version of their chatbot. Um and, you know, I think there's been plenty of kind of AI chatbots and you can just ask questions and, you know, ping ideas around. But this one, you know, I've been dabbling with it, and it's it's like pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. what it can do. I mean, I've seen some pretty impressive kind of things that other people have been doing in terms of like coding. Uh, you know, programmers will ask it how to solve a specific coding problem and it'll write code for you, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But it's just it's a general kind of chatbot, so you can ask it anything. And of course, I was asking about design. Um, I was trying to get it to come up with interesting chair designs. Yeah. So I was like, "Give me a list of 10 chair designs." Yeah. And so it just lists off designs like a chair that is made out of glass, a chair that's really ergonomic, a chair that, you know, is made out of wood or something. And they're a little generic. It was kind of like a little boring. Um, But then I asked it 10 chair designs that humans would never even think of. And then it was like a chair made out of spikes. A chair that looks like a mouth with teeth on it. A chair that <laughs> looks like a hand. And ironically, like there are, there is a chair that looks like a hand. Yeah, Katana has a chair.
1: Very uh, famous chair. Very iconic.
0: Um. And. And then I was asking it to describe the chair in detail. Mm. Uh, I specifically chose like the one with the teeth, the monster teeth or whatever. And then I took that description and plugged it in to Dolly. So it was like this full loop of like you know, cause we, we kind of had this, you know, realization talking about AI where you can now create any image of an idea. Um, but you still have to have the idea. You still have to have the story. And that was the piece that we we're kind of missing. But now with chat GPT, you know, it can come up with an idea and, you know, I wouldn't say it's maybe the most cleverest idea, but only a matter of time, right? Like, you know, it, A chair that looks like a mouth is kind of a crazy idea but um, you know when you render it out in open uh, Dolly it's like oh there's some interesting options here you know I don't know I just thought that was kind of interesting I mean we're still at this like beginning phase of all this so it's only it feels like it's accelerating really quickly
1: I mean I can see how for like the corporate designer that this could sort of like You know the designer who's like constantly being asked to like come up with new ideas and like just draw from some pool of inspiration i mean i'm all right as i'm saying this i'm like what am i what am i trying to say here like i think for the independent designer sure you could be a designer who bases everything that you're working on on like I like I'm exploring the the new frontier which is like kind of kind of like what your new branding is about which is Mm -hmm. like a delightful future but like I feel like a lot of what being an independent designer is is like saying something about you and your point of view Mm. about the world right like and I mean that's not to say that you couldn't retrofit or like find, find something that connects with you through AI. Yeah. I guess that can definitely happen, but I'm just, I'm as a corporate designer, I'm just sort of thinking about like the corporate designers out there who are pushed to come up with new and inventive ideas. And they're not necessarily motivated by like this, like internal flame about like whatever it is that they're doing. And so in a way, maybe this like, takes some of that pressure off to like to say like oh here's like this this bank of in of inspiration that i can now draw from i mean it's like it's just like having an artificial collaborator basically it's like having as a solo as as an individual like you don't necessarily need a team to inspire you right i've i've sort of like That's interesting. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about in terms of like who I am as a designer and where my strengths are. One of my strengths, I feel like there's always talk about like you're either a front end designer or you're a back end designer. And I actually sometimes I feel like I'm a middle (laughs) end (laughs) designer or something. You bridge the gap. I bridge the gap. I think that I am very... I think I'm pretty good at like taking something that someone has generated and like seeing the refinement, mm-hmm. like like seeing how, like where that can go. Yeah. Um. I mean, you definitely...
0: I feel like that you are a great storyteller in mm-hmm. that sense, right? Because it's like maybe someone kind of has the spark of the idea, but you really flesh out the full story of that. Mm. And then, you know, eventually there's probably someone that comes in and kind of refines any details, last minute details. Yeah. Um,
1: And so like, to me, I like the idea that AI can sort of like generate a rough idea for mm -hmm. me to then refine. Yeah. That's appealing because I don't have to, sometimes if you're the one to generate the initial idea, it's, not always so easy to see the next refinement but if the ai is doing it it's much it's much easier to see maybe and that's where it gets back to this whole thing of like it's almost it's almost like being a curator rather than like you're becoming more of a curator and maybe less of a designer um but i think you can be a refiner it's kind of like that Philippe Stark chair that he did with like Autodesk where it was like it created a really rough model of a chair right. and then it, they took it through the refinement process. Um, You know who else has been doing a lot of
0: AI stuff? Oh, also, I just want to say you were kind of saying that you don't feel like being independent designer or you, you feel like independent designers using AI is a little bit less... Um, Uh, I don't know, valuable because independent designers are kind of pulling from their heart and from
1: their point of view. And I I I agree with you. Like that is kind of the, unless it's, unless it's a part of their brand to be on the forefront of like tech. Mm -hmm. But,
0: but what I was thinking is that I actually think that there are a lot of independent designers dabbling with it and just not, not adding that to their story, oh. right? Like, they're using it as a tool the same way, like, obviously, like, Jazz Morrison uses, like, CAD as a tool, but he's not posting about it. Um, yeah. So I think there's that aspect, too, where it's like, yeah, you know, they're still pulling from their heart, but they're probably still playing with AI. I mean, and you know who has been playing with AI out in the open a lot? Is uh Ross Lovegove. Have you seen a lot of his stuff? Oh no, I haven't. Yeah, I think I think he's been posting a lot of AI stuff huh. on on his Instagram, which is kind of fun because it's like it's 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 kind of a superpower that he has because he can type in his own name and it can generate his <laughs> own work. because uh, he's such he's, he's so well known.
1: That's interesting. Because I feel like uh you know, I was I was sort of saying that I feel like AI is sort of enabling a level of... I've seen a lot of organic, mm-hmm. super organic design that's been derived from the AI. And that, I mean, that lends completely to what Ross Lovegrove does. Right. Which is organic. Yeah. Like I he's mean, Captain Organic. For sure. Uh, I guess the other thing
0: was uh, Mid Journey came out with a new update, which has been... Really impressive. I would say Mid Journey is now better than Dolly, in mm. my opinion. Mm. But now there's you know, there's so many softwares now, they've just kind of proliferated. I haven't haven't had the chance to catch up with all of them. But um that was one other update. Um and then did you wanna I have a hot take, but it's kind of a separate hot take on designers uh becoming render artists. Oh yeah. Um this is something I was thinking about for a while and I feel like I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast. But um, I feel like there are some people in the design community who have accidentally become render artists. Mm. Not because, I mean, you know, I think obviously render weekly was kind of the, the inspiration to like get really good at rendering for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people found it like really fun and exciting to, to render. And a lot of people really enjoy, render art and wanted to kind of pursue that full time. Obviously we know a few designers who've uh, pivoted to just being render artists. Um, But I also think there's a few designers that have maybe accidentally pivoted or pigeonholed to render artists and they still want to be a designer. Mm. Um, I just thought that was interesting because like I see like people doing really amazing renderings and then also starting to pick up rendering gigs Mm. Um, and maybe that's what they want. But it's also like something to think about when, I don't know. I was just thinking about that. Like, I, I think about that occasionally, where it's like, if someone called me up and was like, "Hey Nick, can you do a, a nice render for me?" I'd be like, "No, no, that's not what I do." Right. Um, but when you show a lot of really great renderings, people start to kind of ask for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's like a a side a side. Well, I point.
1: mean, what is your, what's the hot take? Is well, the hot take is
0: that I think people have accidentally pigeonholed themselves. Mm. Like, like, um, you know, it's just like maybe they still want to be a designer, but they've just kind of picked up render, this render skill, and people are starting to hire them for that skill. And if you, you know, it's, it's just kind of this idea of like the work that you put out there is the work you're going to do. Right. Um and it's, it's just interesting because like, if it's not original render art that you're like, you know, people like render furniture that is like famous furniture and just like a render scene be like, Hey, I'm working on my render skills or like people render the iPhone or iPhone concept. And it's like, these are now, you know, you're becoming a render artist by showing off that skill. Mm. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I just thought it was an interesting thing that I think some people are doing it accidentally. Some people actually really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, And maybe it's a better path for them, but.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm also like slightly concerned about the render, render artists of the world with AI. Right.
0: That's why, that's why I was kind of like thinking. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I don't know. Like I, I'm certainly, (laughs) nobody's ever going to call me up for a rendering. (laughs) I, I like, I'm like decent. I am I'm like totally just like okay at rendering. Yeah. Um and that's where like I I see myself as that like middle that like middle-end designer. Yeah. Where like I love the thing that I love most in the design process is like rough line work sketches that are then directly translated into CAD and then like the back and forth between those and like printing and iterating and everything. But it's like, you know, all the form-based sort of work that you do. And, and so like, yeah, I can set up a render scene and I can like show what I'm working on, but nobody's ever going to come to me for like a render deck Of like, we need to sell this thing. We need it to look hot. And I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: I also think the other thing that I've been thinking about a lot too is kind of in line with this topic is especially being an independent designer now and kind of pursuing the studio route, a lot of the process is designing something on my own, pitching it to companies, getting a licensing deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And... That process has traditionally been done by designers sketching stuff making a prototype and getting photography done yeah um and now I'm able to create such a convincing render that some people are asking me if it's if it's a real thing or not like if it's a prototype mm. or if someone's already manufactured it mm. and I, I I just like got caught off guard one time i was I was talking to um, a, a, the CEO of a company and he was like oh wait is this one already, does someone already manufacture this product? Mm. Because he thought it was like already produced. Mm. Um, Because, you know, I bought a few like assets and like, you know, I've just like stepped up my rendering game a little bit. Um, And and I was like, no, no, it's just a render. And so that was like a, a funny moment of like, do we now have a competitive edge against the old traditional way of making prototypes? I mean, making a prototype is much more time intensive cost prohibitive um and there's a higher bar to entry there especially with like licensing and stuff when you have to fund it yourself um you know obviously the value of a prototype is that it actually is a real thing it yeah. works you can you can figure things out um that you couldn't with a render but there's some products that you don't really need to make a prototype of yeah um
1: uh, i had a thought like small simple products what was that thought Prototype
0: up to pitch is what I'm saying.
1: Do you think I have observed that like a lot of our sort of like contemporaries yourself included take on a lot of their work as individuals and don't, don't utilize of a net, like a network of like prototypers and renderers and like they don't, like, I feel like there's a lot of like the sort of like designers. star designers of a certain era that I feel like utilized like outsourcing mm-hmm. their work. Whereas I feel like a lot of people now, yourself included, take on all of that work themselves. Right. Like,
0: because I think it's more approachable now
1: it's more approachable to like be able to do all those things yourself. Yeah.
0: I mean, we have, you know, 3d printing, which
1: I think we'll talk about in a bit too, I think,
0: but, um, it's, you know, 3d printing, like very high fidelity renders where it looks like a photo. Um, and, and yeah, I think also just the tools, like the 3d modeling tools now. I mean, I think about VR all the time. It's like this. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting just so proficient in it Mm -hmm. that, I don't even know if I need to touch traditional CAD software anymore because I can do a super detailed, you know, chair, pitch it to a company, get it licensed, and eventually, you know, the company will be like, "Okay, well, we need a three D model," and I'll send the gravity sketch file or a you know step file of that, and then they'll have their engineers just surface over that and mm-hmm. produce it. I don't know. It's like I I do think we're kind of in a in a I don't know golden age where it's the tools are becoming so great that a lot of that outsourcing can be done in house now. Yeah. Not everything, but you know, there's just like, it's gotten a lot better.
1: Right. But it makes me wonder about, I saw, I don't remember. I think this was like Scott Henderson in a, in a different interview. I mean, he's been on our podcast. Mm -hmm. He spoke about how he feels like designers right now, and this was a couple of years ago and I wonder how he feels about it now, but he spoke about how designers are like, so into the process that they're not like, they're not spending the time to like enrich the story of the product. Mm. And like, I feel like because of the era that we're living in and like the, the sort of like performativity yeah. of like what you're doing becomes then like Almost as important, if not more so, than like what ends up getting made. I,
0: yeah, I mean the thing is, is like enriching the story of the product. The story of the product can also be the story of the process of the product. Oh yeah, I mean they they could be different, right? You could have different a, a product that is a kind of a different story. Maybe it's a story about the inspiration or something, mm-hmm. but also a product that just is a story of how it's made or how it's designed, I think is just as valuable. Um, yeah. Yeah. Obviously like I've been, obviously we've ever, I mean, you've been to like this idea of kind of designing publicly on the internet. I feel like is a new phenomenon that, yeah. that comes with its own story. I mean, that's kind of what I've been doing with this, this recent strap box thing. It's like, I kind of want to start putting out that story, even though I've had the, the the design around for a year and a half, Yeah, it's like, all right, if I'm actually going to make it, I need to start telling the story of how it's getting made. Right. Um, because I think it's just something that I think people will appreciate more.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, more. I think that there's definitely like a, I think that's the right word to use. There's like a, like a bifurcation happening where there's like, there are the designers who are, sharing the work and sharing the process, Mm -hmm. but then there's equally the designers who are not sharing any of that.
0: It's just hidden. It's just like one day they just pop out of design.
1: I mean, I like, um, I haven't met him. I'd love for him to be my friend, but, uh, Josh. Scratch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he just kind of like pops out stuff, pops out (laughs) stuff. Well, yeah, I've
0: been trying to get Josh on the pod. Uh, we've talked about it many times. Uh, and he has opinions on this for sure.
1: And I feel like also like teenage engineering is not necessarily so upfront with like mm. the process behind their work. Right. Like they're sort of mysterious. Like I think maybe that. Um,
0: well, that's the thing, right? It's, it's the mystique. If yeah. You, if you pop stuff out magically, there's a big like a magician trick there. It's like a mystique thing. Yeah. And I've struggled with that a lot. Actually, it's like, do I want to be the mystical magic designer? that just like super quiet and they just pop stuff out or do I want to be the more open the people's designer mm. and I still struggle with it. I don't have a good answer for that. Mm.
1: But, um, have you tried to like place yourself within the, uh, the, the Jungian archetypes thing? Uh, Cause there's like, there's a whole philosophy around businesses and right. the Jungian archetypes. I feel like
0: I have, I mean, I guess it's like magician. I feel like I get into the magician crowd. Yeah. Clever, clever, playful things.
1: Right. But I, yeah, I don't know if the magician
0: doesn't show a lot of process.
1: Is is the magician? Yeah, I guess it is all sort of behind closed doors. Because Mag, magician doesn't reveal their secrets. Right.
0: Apple's the magician. But appetite.
1: Apple also does reveal. I mean, it, it does it does a little bit like how it's you know, made. There's a little bit of reveal, but there's also a lot of yeah. mystique. There's a lot of. It's stuff. just like. A, I do miss
0: Apple's old videos where Johnny I would narrate, how, you know, and you'd see the CNC, <laughs> CNC machine, like cut the, did
1: we talk about the fact that Evans, um, what's her name? What's her last Hanky? name? Yeah. She left. Yeah. Uh, uh
0: recently. I, I don't know that there's any, She's a, she was VP of industrial Design. Yeah. I don't know um, that
1: there's any more information than, than that she yeah, left and don't. I don't know if they've named a new Director of ID, I'm sure that there's somebody I think, de facto in there. Yeah, I
0: think there is. I would I would have to pull it up to
1: figure it out. Um, yeah, yeah. That I, was a short run, like relatively. Yeah, it's Cause when did Johnny? When did he leave?
0: Uh, I want to say like five years ago, maybe. Okay. Four years ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that wasn't like a quick. You know, if you're getting a VP spot, I usually stay there for a good bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Evans, know.
1: come on the pod. Uh, I, I, I'm like so curious. Like why? You know who
0: I met? Dare, I, ever, did I ever tell you this? I met, uh, Abadur Chowdhury. Oh, nice. Yeah. He visited New York. So he told me all the secrets. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, they obviously sworn to never tell any to, you know. Yeah. He's like
1: curvature, <laughs> continuous fillets, um, on it. <laughs> every corner.
0: No, he, he really enjoys working there. So, um, so it's a great team. So, hmm. um, yeah, I know. It's it, it again. It goes back to this like, mad magician mystique. It's like you don't know anything. Yeah. Like, oh, this person left, and that's all we know. We don't know why. We don't know. We don't know the process behind it. We don't know if it's good or bad. It's
1: like, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. But then, yeah, like the I I guess uh like um, I'm trying to think of an example of somebody, L on the other side of like the non the non mystique like
0: super since, process
1: yeah super process i guess tom Sachs Mm, that's interesting and uh yeah. virgil abloh where um, they're just
0: very like open with how they design yeah tom Sachs is a great example of that yeah because it's just like almost it's not even the final product It's so it's like you know obviously he does a lot of the documentaries and stuff of making the thing um yeah that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I've 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 found a lot of like value in his like I, I've just been watching like a lot of Tom Sachs talks and and things more recently, and I had never really been I'd known about him. Mm-hmm. I think I might have told you that like I went out to Governors Island once with Allison, and like we got off the boat and because you have to take a ferry to get to governor's island Mm -hmm. and we were just there it's you know it's an island in new york just south of the tip of manhattan where you can just like hang out it's a big park there's like yeah there's there's food and like there's a big grassy area but um we walked off the boat and there were some people there were like oh are you with nike are you here for the nike thing Uh, and we were like oh no (laughs) and but i didn't know that it was the tom Sachs space camp thing Uh, of like do this obstacle course and get the like night, the right. the Mars. Yeah. Um,
0: That's a fun thing. He always, he's always doing great, great stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I did the rocket launch thing. We talked, we talked about the NFT. Did you ever
1: anything. talk? Did you talk to him while you were there? Uh, I don't know if I
0: chatted with him. I mean, you know, he, the, the crazy thing about Tom Sachs is I feel like he's very, he's very approachable. It seems he's very like, like it. you know, he's, he's like kind of, kind of this people's artist, right? He's like this American kind of, uh, I don't know, very like, friendly artists that you can just like, it almost feels like he could be your friend, you know? Right. Um, Which I guess lends itself to the, this other kind of side of the magician, the, the contrast there. Yeah. I didn't get to talk to him, Uh but yeah, he was there launching rockets.
1: Yeah. No, I love, I, I think he, like he said this thing in a couple talks cause the way that he works is like, you know, everything is, everything is hand, handmade, like, mm mm-hmm. It's kind of rough around the edges he's like i could never make something as perfect as an iphone but apple can never make something as <laughs> shitty as as i do or oh, something man. something yeah, to yeah, that yeah. effect mm-hmm. um but like yeah i do i do like kind of love that mentality as well and there's just like i don't know there's there's something there's something like sage-like about him yeah in a way um And I like the seriousness to which like he takes things like doing the whole like moon landing or the Mars landing like performance. Um.
0: I will say, you know, a lot of his kind of documentary style is inspired by or collaborated with uh, Van Neistat. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously Casey Neistat was in in the mix there too. So you kind of see the thread of that kind of DIY style throughout all those creators. Yeah. I think Van was the one that, Van and Casey kind of kind of brought the video style into Tom Sachs's studio. You know, Tom Sachs was only doing just physical stuff before, and then when they came and worked at his studio, Tom kind of adopted their video kind of attributes, and they kind of collaborated that way. Yeah. Um,
1: Have you? I know, like Casey ha- or not Casey. Tom Sachs has the video to the 10, ten bullets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Dita Rams has the 10 rules of good design. Have you started to think (laughs) about, about your 10? We should do the minor details. 10, (laughs) 10,
0: 10 details for, for industrial design.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, that'd be funny.
1: Yeah. that should be an episode, episode idea, man. I can't, yeah, I can't even think of, make it delightful. I don't know. Um,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I've obviously thought a lot about that in terms of rebranding the studio. I only came up with four values. They're kind of like bullet points, but cause like in five to do one sense things
1: in five years, do you envision your studio? Like it would still be predominantly you, or do you think you would bring, bring I, in more?
0: No, I would keep help. I mean, yeah, I would love to have more help and you know, I've hired, you know, people here and there in the past. Um, and, at some point, it'd be nice to have, you know, a couple full-time people just to help, you know, kind of prototype and develop and and pitch products and stuff. Um, I don't think I'd get it really big, though. I think it'd be pretty small. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, w- I feel like I envision maybe five max, five, ten people. No, ten seems like a lot. Maybe five.
1: Yeah. Um. Nice. Consider this my application. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. What else we got? I, we're just, we've just
0: been chatting, I guess. Uh, do you want to do... We could talk a little bit about 3D printing. Uh, or we have questions. We could do one or the other, maybe. I don't
1: yeah, think. well, I mean, I've been thinking, like, while I, was, uh, while I was down in Florida, some downtime, I was watching a lot of our buddy, Seth Fowler's videos, and he's sort of taken up a lot of this, like, sort of covering of 3D printed shoes, Mm -hmm. and he's also been 3D printing his own shoes. Making his own, yeah. And, like, uh, he's got, like, a full... like garage full of printers now it looks like i didn't know he had he has multiple printers now he's got multiple oh i, I had yeah. to watch
0: one of his latest videos I, I think i watched the first video that, okay. he, that he made a shoe and he made a shoe in solidworks and i was like typing in the comments like uh brother we got to get you gravity sketch because <laughs> that is painful to make a to make a tennis shoe in solidworks i can't I even.
1: i thought it looked pretty good what he i ate. mean he, he accomplished a lot in what solidworks f- but yeah no it's definitely not a program that's made for it but Um. Yeah, he's done a couple videos where he's like he's designed some, but he's also reviewed shoes. He a a recent video that he did was really interesting. He designed a shoe for Braille, that skateboarding uh, channel.
0: It's a pretty famous channel, right?
1: Yeah. So so they he did a. I think I saw a few clips. He designed a skateboarding shoe, three D printed skateboarding shoe for them. I think he. The, the method that he did, which I thought was really interesting, like uh, like another, like talking about outsourcing, like he did a sketch and then he hired somebody off of Fiverr. He actually hired two designers off of Fiverr.
0: Wait, was this one of these YouTube videos where it's like, I spend $50 hiring, <laughs> is the, is this logo good? Is yeah, this sugar, yeah. is this one well, good? Well,
1: it was, I mean, at least with what he was doing, he was like, I gave them the sketch Which is like what a a lot of footwear designers do. Like there's a lot of footwear designers who never touch CAD in the first place, as far as I know. So he, he gave them the CAD files uh, and had these two designers like model. And then he chose one and, and printed it. And he like, before the whole process, he got like, he got Braille to give him information of like, hey, where do you need like, where is this gonna wear away mm. the most like, what kind of grip do you need on right. the shoes like, so it was really it was really cool, but I was, I, you know, I was watching this and he he's done some reviews of some 3D printed shoes like, um, the Zellerfelds, the Heron Preston Zellerfelds, mm-hmm. uh, the um, a, a live form I think is the other one. And then I think there was also an ASICS slide. Interesting. And of course like Adidas has done that, Um, that 3d printed soul. Right. The 40, Adidas 40, right. yeah. 40 craft or something. <laughs> is that what it's called? 40 craft? Oh man, that marketing team. They're like, yeah, it's 40. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, it just made me think like, I, I think we brought this up a few episodes ago and I, my mind is always on 3d printing. Cause I think it's so interesting and you know, I've said so many times my hope for the future is like, we go back to a more localized manufacturing. You have designers local who are designing local. right? And, um, and so like, I just, I think that, it's so fascinating that I feel like footwear seems to be the first market where they're getting mass adoption of this technology. Like it's I don't see it anywhere in anywhere else in terms of like mass market adoption. Right. Yeah. Of like, hey, this quality, because you know, right now we're only getting a certain quality out of 3D printers. And but like it seems like with foot, with the footwear industry, like they have completely adopted it as like, Oh, this is dope. This is sweet. Yeah. I, well,
0: first of all, I just, I realized these are live forms. It kind of, is this the one you're thinking of? Like the squiggly line? Yeah. One? I think that's kind of a fun shoe. Cause it's like the squiggle line. It almost looks like, I think there's also a shoe that kind of looks like a Monstera leaf. Mm. I'm not sure if it's the same company that did it, but it's very really similar design. Um, but this one's different because it's made out of resin, right? It's, it's like, STL or SLA, printed. SLA, SLA. Um, whereas like Zellerfeld is doing FDM. Yep. Um, You know, I've, I've been kind of dabbling in this world. You know, I think we talked about, I was, I was doing like a a, a little 3D printed shoe for a while. You know, another one of my ideas that you know, I got to finish, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I stumbled down this rabbit hole of, of 3D printing shoes and like kind of chatting with like the Zellerfeld guys and, uh, Joey Camus, a big gravity sketch kind of shoe guy. Um, and uh, the one thing that I've been kind of seeing recently is uh, this brand called Mellon, M L L N. They, you know, I'm obviously on the NFT Web3 side. They've been doing um, NFTs of their shoes. Mm. So you buy the NFT and then you get a 3D printed shoe by Zellerfeld. Oh. So Joey Camus designed some shoes. Um, and then they're going to get printed over in Zellerfeld. And so the the one thing I was going to say is like the interesting thing about Zellerfeld, which is this 3D printing shoe company that um I, I guess is is pretty new, you know, they've done the Heron Preston ones, but um they scan your foot. Yeah. so that it matches your foot size exactly. Yeah. which I think is really cool. Um and then the other big part that they are all about is when the shoes wear down, you send them back, and they grind them up, and they print them again. Yeah, um, which I think is cool. Yeah, like, you know, it you can't really do that with normal shoes. I mean, you could no. like disassemble the the fabric and like maybe you know recycle or downcycle, um, but just the ability to, that it's all one material that you can grind up and just melt down and make again is kind of wild. The one thing that I am a little bit like hesitant on or like curious about, and I'd love to maybe chat with the Zillowfield guys more or, or do something with them one day, but, um, is they have a specific aesthetic to them. And I think this is kind of like what you were saying is like 3d printing has this like printed aesthetic. And since they're doing FDM, you know, normally you kind of print sh- prints with like a skin around it, right? You have the skin and then you have the infill, which is like kind of just like a spider web of structure, but they don't have a skin on their shoes, right? they, they just have kind of the infill, mm. which gives it kind of this like spongy uh, aesthetic, mm. um, and of course their their shoes have different densities of infill, and you know that kind of determines like what is, um, you know, like obviously the the top of the shoe needs to be really kind of squishy. So yeah. that you can slide in, but the bottom of the shoe should be really tough, so that you can walk on stuff. Right. Um, so maybe that has something to play into it. I mean, it w- I don't know. I, I think it'd be cool to like
1: see to explore how how far. Yeah, and that's the there's also Kid Super did a did another version. Mm, um, right. For I think I, I, I think those one. are the two. I don't I don't know that Zellerfeld has more than the Heron Preston and the Kid Super. Do they? Do they have another shoe? Uh,
0: I wish I I should research a little more, but I think they're pretty new, so they, I don't think they have many shoes out. But I know, you know I, know, I think we have actually a few friends like working on stuff with them. Yeah. Um, so excited to kind of see what they do.
1: What do you mean by it's mostly infill? It just it, has an infill aesthetic. It's
0: like, it's, you know, like a normal 3D print is, it, it's it's clean. It has a bunch of layers and it's like, very smooth Mm. on the outside. And then the Zellerfeld shoes seem to have this like sponginess where like you could run water on top of the shoe and the water would like go through the shoe. Mm. Like if you 3d printed a shoe with a 3d printer in the studio, it would just like, you know, go off or like you could make, you could 3d print a cup and fill it up with water. Mm. Whereas these, what Zellerfeld is doing is like, it's almost like this matrix that they're printing. Mm. And I think maybe part of it is like, um, because they're print, I think they're printing with dissolvable supports. Like maybe that's the only way to like dissolve the entire supports without getting stuff trapped in the shoe. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, which also, if you think about uh, the, uh, wh- what was the other brand you were saying, James? A live form. A live form with like the the squiggly one. I think there's actually like holes in the front of that shoe mm-hmm. so that you can drain out the resin, extra resin, right. which I was like, that was like one of the part of the shoe, part of the design that I was like, ah, oh, that kind of, that's kind of lame. So maybe there's some sort of constraint there. It's just a new, you know, it's a new technology. There's going to be different constraints, yeah. um, which is interesting. But
1: yeah, the alive form ones are interesting. Cause like what you're talking about in terms of the, the infill, like the SLA process has that really like spider webby looking infill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just like there's a bit of translucency t- to it, like yeah, especially with the white one, so you can kind of see through and in. And I just like, I don't know, it's it's cool. And we know there are companies out there like Gantry that are doing similar things. You know, they're doing that with the lighting industry, right? But, but,
0: but what you're saying is like, the shoe industry is it embracing the 3D printed like constraints in aesthetic yeah whereas like gantry is like using it as a manufacturing technology right? right um and you know i think that was also like a big part of my pixel light was like i wanted to make a lamp that kind of embraces part of the the grid like infill aesthetic that was like one of the inspirations for it but like i agree i think sh- the shoes right now is is really interesting i feel like it's heating up for sure um, <laughs> is that
1: they're gonna melt is that an extrusion nozzle uh <laughs> reference um. Yeah, I like. I don't know. I. I always. I say almost constantly that I feel very fortunate to be a designer during the three D printing revolution because, like,
0: if you had to carve all this stuff out of foam, I'm man.
1: not. <laughs> I'm not a foam carver. I'm not a wood cutter. Like, I. You know, I was not a shop boy, and so like the the ability for me to like take take my CAD and and print it is like, it's invaluable. Um, but like, yeah. And I, of course, like with my own brand and maybe I should revitalize it. Like, you know, I was doing 3d printed metal because it is something that I'm very passionate about is this idea of like the, like 3d printing future in, in the mass market. Cause like I do think that it's a shame in some ways that we have to like design for a global audience. Like I think in some ways that's great, but I think in other ways it's led to a blandification of aesthetic.
0: I think we had a whole episode on that. Yeah.
1: And, and so like, I don't know. I think with all these things converging sort of like the AI design, 3d printing, you know, bringing things local, like,
0: feels a bit of a renaissance, doesn't
1: it? It does feel like a renaissance. It feels like we're on the precipice of something. I was also like, I was looking at with a, with a friend who's, he's not, he's not a traditional designer, but he does, he does like more bio. Like he, he works at, um, a company that like, uh, grows this kind of like, I think it's an, I think it's an algae for like, for like protein for, for, um, for food. Oh, for interesting. like okay but um he he really he was like we were just talking about 3D printing and he was talking about 3D printed houses and how like he's just like so into 3D printed houses yeah
0: i, I think they're doing a whole town in texas that's 3D printed now really yeah I, or maybe it's a sub a suburb like they're doing like 10 houses at a time now or something like that
1: i've only seen the I mean I've seen things here and there, but the big one that I saw, of course, was just like the Fuse Project thing that they did. They like they worked on some like three D yeah. printed maybe housing. That was,
0: maybe that's the one I was thinking of. Maybe I can't remember if it was Bjark Ingalls or maybe it was Fuse Project. Yeah. But um
1: But it's cool. It's like it is there's there's just like a certain aesthetic to it because it, again you're getting that like line that like line work. Right. But like I do I feel like We're at this point also in architecture where I'm just like, here comes another glass (laughs) cube, like cube. Listen, I love a good cube. Like (laughs) skyscraper. I, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of over it. You know, my
0: favorite uh, building on the New York skyline. Do Do you know which one it is? No. Which one? 432 Park Avenue. It's the Minecraft building. It's just all the little squares going all the way up. You know that one?
1: Oh, the like really skinny tall building. Uh,
0: yeah, it's pretty, pretty skinny.
1: Um, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. My, that's my favorite building, man. I mean, just a cool a bunch of cubes, man. cool multi-million dollar penthouses, <laughs> all all <laughs> up and down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a ni- it's a nice like I don't mind that. What I do mind, what really upsets me about modern architecture is the lack of attention to the top of the buildings. Like there's just always like you look at the empire state building, the Chrysler building, like there's so much, there's so much work put into those spires. And so you're a spire guy. I aspire, I aspire (laughs) aspire to
0: some nice spires. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I love, I love that. I mean, I, I think like I would have been very happy in the art deco era, Mm but um, I just really like downtown Brooklyn has been building up and most of it is just like flat topped Mm. skyscrapers. And I just feel like there's so much lost in that. Like there's such an opportunity to do something, but like, I don't know if it's because of like all the systems that are now on top of buildings. Like, Oh, uh, like, yeah. The like HVAC water, water and towers. And wa- stuff. Yeah. I don't know, but hmm. it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's kind of upsetting in terms of the, in terms of like skylines. Yeah. I'll
0: take a cube. Give me, <laughs> give me a cube. I just, you know, you I just wanna, want, I want to live in my I'm
1: a, a bunch, <laughs> you just, you just want a flat top city. Yeah. Oh, man. I, yeah, I can't get behind that, but, uh,
0: okay. Well, I got one more thing and then maybe we'll, we'll yeah, we'll save questions for another episode. Um, have you seen 3D Feedy on Instagram, or I think he's actually he actually blew up on TikTok, but he, his his videos are on Instagram. Too. Only
1: because you <laughs> sent it to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's
0: this guy in New York, and he's pretty new. I think he's doing 3D printed graffiti, but the thing that's interesting, and, and, well, you know, because this is this has been a thing before. Like, uh, yeah. I remember the Knack Studio Kelly had yeah, her, yeah. Little, her little like 3D printed thing she could put on signposts. Um, obviously I had the birdhouse uh, uh, 3D Feedy is doing like bird seed holder on a, on a, a thing um, the thing that I think is really interesting though is the way the videos are done because it's just like viralness I guess this go back, goes back to like, the performance of the design where I think what he's doing is he's videotaping the 3d print on the street you know and this one i'm looking at right now is on the city bike uh it's a phone holder that clips onto a city bike and then i think he's going back and he's rendering out it kind of slicing so it almost looks like it's being 3d printed on the city bike on the street and it's such a wild like uh motion graphic animation kind of thing and this stuff would just it went viral i don't know how many views it has on TikTok or on instagram but um it's just like wild how how these like work and like he did one like a little fedora where he's like putting a little fedora on like a little gate knob and it just like 3d prints in the midair and then just sits down i don't know it's it's just like an impressive like animating slash designing style it's it's going back to this performance thing right um
1: yeah i just never seen that before it does, yeah. It does seem like he's filming the three D print in a studio or something, and then, but I, or or no, I guess you're saying he animated it.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was, I thought he did was doing stop motion, but looking back at it now, I think it's actually he's exporting the slice slicing file from the three D printer, and then you know rendering it in a render software. That makes
1: software. sense. I mean, yeah, I I guess like. Uh, a different way he could do it that would be more labor intensive would be to like print out a hundred, like, yeah, little exactly, stop motion yeah, pieces. Different, yeah, and that's, stop at different points.
0: Yeah, I, I that's what that was my first thought when I saw yeah. this video. Anyways, I thought it was just like a very unique new way that I hadn't seen people kind of playing
1: with. Well, that it's cool because it is what he's doing is both. Being very explicit about the process, but mm-hmm. also there's a level of mystique.
0: Mm, yeah, there's definitely some magic there.
1: So, like, yeah, there's a bit, there's a bit of both, which, uh, yeah, is is nice.
0: Oh, and and this one I'm looking at right now, he scans a brick wall and then 3D prints a piece that fits into the brick wall. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, very cool. Um. I think we'll end it there. What do you think? Yeah,
1: let's do it. As always, I'm Nick. I'm James. Peace. Later.